The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We'll also be discussing the results of a year-long independent review into gender-based violence, harassment and bullying in the Defence Forces, which the government has commented on uh, today. And Sean Defoe is with us. He's News Talk's uh, political correspondent. And in a moment, we're going to be turning to other events in the Dáil. But uh, before that, um, Sean, we'll be talking to Ellen O'Malley Dunlop, the former chair of the Women's uh, Council and adjunct professor of law at University Lim- uh, Limerick School of Law about the details of the re- this report and what the implications are. But what was the government response? Yeah, well, the government response, I think, was quite uh, frank from Micheál Martin saying that this is something that is unacceptable that is going on in the Defence Forces. He said there will be nowhere to hide from change now in the Defence Forces on the back of it. And as he said, this was looking into allegations, I suppose, of harassment, of bullying and uh, of sexual assault. And the report, I mean, I've read a lot of these different reports quite a lot of the time, Anton. You know, they sugarcoat some of it or maybe it's done up in language. It's hard to understand. I have to say this one is the absolute complete opposite. It is very clear and it does not hold back. And just to, to quote some of it to give people a scale of you know how grim some of these findings are it says and I'm quoting here that at best the defence forces barely tolerates women and at its worst verbally physically sexually and psychologically abuses women in its ranks 88% of female respondents to a survey that they carried out reported they've experienced one or more form, uh, forms of sexual harassment and uh, that although not all behave in this unacceptable manner the research shows the presence of serial perpetrators whose behaviour is not addressed is in fact often rewarded. It goes on to say uh, that there are, obviously this affects men as well, both in terms of bullying and harassment, but also sexually in the defence forces. And it said it must be noted, men are also on the receiving end of unacceptable behaviours, ranging across the full spectrum up to and including rape. And I've been speaking to some government ministers today, their meeting, the cabinet meeting ran well over because of two big issues, the LDA that we'll talk about in a minute and this one. And I've spoken to some very experienced cabinet ministers who have seen an awful lot of grim reports come before them throughout the years. And they said that undoubtedly this is among one of the worst. That's extraordinary. Can you just one more time, Sean, will you give us that sentence, the the one about the at worst and at best, that summary? At best, the Defence Forces barely tolerates women and at its worst, verbally, physically, sexually and psychologically abuses women in its ranks. Well, that is some excoriation to have in, in a report submitted to government. As I say, we'll be talking to Ellen O'Malley Dunlop uh, about that coming uh, out of six o'clock. The big events, of course, taking up most of the time and probably a lot of the fury in the doll today related to the housing ban or to the eviction ban, rather, and matters pertaining to housing. What happened, Sean? Yeah, look, at dominated leaders' questions. It's going to dominate this evening as well when this Sinn Féin uh, bill comes in looking to extend the eviction ban beyond the end of this week into next uh, next January. And then, of course, the confidence motion brought by Labour and the counter motion brought by the government expressing confidence in itself is coming tomorrow morning with a dominated leaders' questions today, as it has done every day since we broke on News Talk on March 6th that the span wasn't going to be extended and was the subject of some fairly serious rows that we can listen to a bit of here between Leo Varadkar and Mary Lou MacDonald. Families separated, misery, despair, anger. That's the story, Taoiseach, but you don't hear that. You have comprehensively failed amongst all of your bluster to answer the one question that matters to people who face this reality now. They're looking it in the eye now in a matter of days. Where do they go? And I have to say, Karen Corley, the trite manner in which you have said that tenancies are abundant is an insult to people who you will cast into homelessness, whether they're caught on the official uh, figures or not. That's the reality. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, Deputy, first of all, I know what homelessness looks like, and everyone in this house does. Stop trying to pretend that you know more than us or that you are somehow uh, more compassionate than us. Uh, Deputy, I've answered your question It would not times, be hard to be more compassionate than you, you, misrepresent my answer it's a low and interrupt bar. me while I'm speaking, shows that you don't want an answer to your question. That's why you have to misrepresent the answer, uh, and that's why you have to interrupt me when I'm, when I'm trying to speak. You have an answer. You won't hear it. You misrepresent it. You twist it. And quite frankly, Deputy, a lot of people in listening to your spokespeople, because of the way you've twisted this issue, do believe that 4,000 notices of termination will result in 4,000 families uh, going into emergency accommodation or becoming homeless. I'm glad you accept that you've never claimed that, and that is not going to be the case. That's a good thing. And, Deputy, one of the many reasons why we will be voting against your bill tonight in the form of a reasoned amendment is precisely because you would be doing what you're against to a lot of people. You'd be saying to them, you can't move back into your own house. You can't move your own family into a house you own if you have the option uh, of the box room or moving back in, in with your parents. You might help some people with this bill, but you'd hurt plenty of others. And that's why we won't be supporting it. Temper's running high there, Sean. Absolutely, yeah. And you're going to hear more of that, I think, uh, over the next 24 hours. This is a really emotive issue. And the government has found itself defending something that is very difficult to defend when there is great anger out there and really great uncertainty. I mean, like I've heard from loads of my friends who in the last little while have been issued with eviction notices or have had it come down on them in the last year and have huge uncertainty about what they're going to do next. Because if, if it's hanging over you, of course, your emotions are going to be running high. And that's been reflected in the Dáil debate. Now, in the midst of all of this, can you explain the numbers that have appeared in the Land Development Agency analysis because this seems extraordinary. A government agency has come out and said, look, while we're talking about the issue of provision of housing, the state has enough property on which it could build 60,000 houses or at least 60,000 housing equivalent units. That seems extraordinary that it hasn't been used to this point. It does, but again, it's a little bit more complex as all these things with housing tend to be. So yeah, the LDA report today, which went to Cabinet, about 60,000, maybe a bit north of 60,000 housing units, as you say, that could be brought to use on different state lands. But not all of those state lands are immediately available for use. They're talking about, for example, uh, bus depots here. They're talking about the Central Mental Hospital, uh, which is being being moved or in the process of being moved. They're talking about lands that other state agencies effectively don't want to give up. And remember, the LDA was founded in 28 nearly five years ago at this stage and at the time Leo Varadkar compared it and he compared it again in the Dáil today to eventually becoming the equivalent of the IDA or one of those big organisations the ESB that was the level that we were going to think about this on for its success in housing and to date it has only had planning permission for about 2,000 houses about 1,900 houses and another uh, 2,000 homes awaiting a planning decision so it hasn't exactly churned out a huge amount of that 60,000 only 10,000 of those are going to be realistically built in the next five to 10 years. So this is not a short-term project. That's an average of 2,000 a year if things went well over the next decade. And a big problem for the LDA is they can't compel any of these other state agencies, be it CIE, be it a government department, to give over any of those lands if that agency doesn't want to. And indeed, there may be very, you know, fair reasons why that agency might want, might not want to. They might be planning to build something else on the site. They might need it for future projects. So not quite as clear cut as maybe the, the headline would suggest, but certainly you'd have to question why it's taken half a decade for the LDA just to get to this point of identifying the sites when we were led to believe in 2018 that there were a bunch that were ready to build on. Sean, thank you. Sean Defoe, News Talks political correspondent there. I'm joined in studio by Kean O'Callaghan, Social Democrats TD for Dublin Bay North and party spokesperson for housing. Maybe Kean, you might pick up with the point that Sean leaves us with, which is how has it taken half a decade, do you think, to identify the availability of these properties, never mind start turning sod? 
I, I think it's bewildering, quite frankly, uh, to understand when the five years ago, when the current CEO of the Land Development Agency came into office, we were promised 150,000 uh, homes to be provided by the Land Development Agency over a period of 20 years. Five years in, we don't have a single one of those homes uh, delivered. And we've been told over the next five to 10 years, you know, that there's a pipeline for 10,000 homes. And that's a tiny fraction of the 150,000 uh, promised. Now, there's no question, look, there's complexities around this. And for example, some of these, some of this public land is in use and it's underutilised. So that's where, you know, you, you could get a lot of housing into it, maybe combining the existing function or maybe you'd need to move the existing function that's underutilising land to a more compact uh, location. And I think a key flaw for the Land Development Agency is it doesn't have strong compulsory purchase order powers and it's very hard to do strategic land assembly without strong compulsory purchase order powers. That's the key thing that they need uh, when we're discussing the bill, when we went through the... Presumably, if a lot of this is public land, there is the capacity for political compulsion. If Borgosh or Gas Networks Ireland or the ESB or CIE owns part of the land, somewhere there is a minister responsible who can say, divest yourself of it. Yeah, I I think there needs to be much stronger direction from the the cabinet, from from the government ministers on this. Absolutely. If you're trying to problem solve this, if if you have a, another state agency using a bit of land, underutilising it, and you want to move them to somewhere else and you don't have CPO powers to get them an alternative site, that really ties the ha- hands of the LDA. So having a strategic land assembly agency, state agency, is a great idea. Having it without CPO powers makes zero uh, sense. And there's nothing new to giving CPO powers to a state agency to do something like this. It's been done in other countries. In fact, it was done in Ireland. You know, if you go 150 years ago into this city, walk a minute down from these studios to the George Street Arcade, that was built through CPO powers, assembling that land together so you could put in a bit of infrastructure like that. There's nothing new in it. Whatever about the uh, analysis of the 60,000, the the available land to fit 60,000 housing units, the the most pressing issue, of course, is the eviction ban because there are people now who are getting their notices to quit coming into action that managed to have them held off over the last number of months. What, if anything, can be done for them? Well, the, the government have been talking about the, you know, the tenant in, in situ scheme. I, I, I think the eviction ban needs to be extended uh, until we get to a situation of no fault evictions, which is the norm in most European countries. Most European countries, you pay your rent and the landlord wishes to sell. You're not going to be evicted. You stay in your home. The landlord's able to sell. If the government isn't going to do that, the kind of schemes they've been talking about, they really need to get much more serious about them. So the, the tenant in situ scheme before the announcement that the eviction ban was going to be but lifted. But that could be months. It, no, it could be months. And it's not working out It's not working out particularly well. Uh, you know, I'd have a lot of tenants and also landlords in touch with me. Landlords saying, look, they need to sell. They don't want to evict their, their tenants. They have a good relationship with them. They know they don't have other options. And they want to avail the tenant in situ scheme. And they, they can't get anywhere with the local authorities. So, because you know, that the, is the other side of the eviction uh, ban issue. The, there's 170,000 landlords in Ireland who are single individuals who happen to have a property that they rent out. The vast majority of landlords on their tax de- declarations declare themselves as employees first and foremost. These are PAYE earners who happen to have a place and a, a large proportion are on earnings below 60,000 or 40,000. So this isn't all big fat cat landlords milking their tenants for profit. No, and I, I certainly know landlords, the only reason they're in the higher rate of taxes because they're a landlord and they have the income coming from that. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't be this. Yeah, you know, most landlords own one one home and they're not. They sometimes are portrayed as, you know, anti their tenants or renters for certainly for the vast majority. That's absolutely not true. And look, 
you know, like a small employer, you know, likes to give employment and, you know, they, you know, they take satisfaction out of the fact that what they're doing, they're getting a return from it, but someone's getting a home from it. And, you know, most are quite happy to have their, their tenants in place for as long as possible. So that's that's all part of the reality on this. But I think the, look, the, the, the no-fault evictions ban should be extended. Failing the government doing that, they need to get serious about the schemes they've put in place, uh, saying simply 1,500 tenants in situ purchase uh, throughout this year you know 400 in Dublin City for example these targets are way too low they're not going to meet the demand that's there and if they don't up those targets and get serious about it we're going to get more people uh, really with nowhere to go. Finally and briefly Keen, what's your reaction to Leo Varadkar's parsing of the numbers in relation to the tenancies that will now result in people going onto the emergency accommodation list? He is falling over himself to say that it won't be in the, the mid to high thousands. What do you think? I think what's going to happen is you're going to have thousands of people with nowhere to go. Some of them are going to overhold. Some of those are going to end up in emergency accommodation. It won't necessarily be straight away. It could be half a year later. It could be long, longer than that uh, in terms of going through the process. But each individual, whether they end up homeless or whatever situation they end up in, are going to end up in a very, very stressful uh, situation. Very traumatic situations for people and really puts everything on hold in their lives. So Simply saying not everyone's going to end up in emergency accommodation, that's not very consoling to people who are really worried about where they're going to go. People who may have moved out of a very stressful situation in an overcrowded family home, maybe thinking, oh, I have to go back there because I have no other options and thinking of all the conflicts potentially that would go with that. Kian, thank you very much. That is Kian O'Callaghan, Social Democrats, TD for Dublin Bay North and party spokesperson for housing. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.